Peak, How Great Companies Get Their Mojo from Maslow, by Chip Conley. One sentence summary. Peak, How Great Companies Get Their Mojo from Maslow, explains why relationships are the most valuable currency in both business and life. By examining how Chip Conley brought back his chain of successful hotels from the brink of despair with a new attitude towards his customers, employees and investors, based on Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. My favorite quote from the author is, Feeling good about your life but not expressing a heartfelt thank you is like wrapping a gift for someone and never giving it to them. Chip Conley Try not to like Chip Conley, I dare you. When I discovered TED Talks in 2012, his was one of the first few that I watched. I even remembered his equation of happiness and created a graphic about it a bit later. Chip founded a chain of hotels in San Francisco in 1987 called Joie de Vivre, which is French for the joy of life, which has become the biggest chain of boutique hotels in the United States. Boutique hotels are small hotels, usually with 10 to 100 rooms, set in unique buildings. No hotel looks the same. In 2001, his company suffered from the post-dot-com burst because San Francisco was hit extra hard. On a particularly depressing day, he strolled into a bookstore and soon found himself halfway through a book by Abraham Maslow, learning about his hierarchy of needs, and decided to relight his fire by going beyond serving people's physical and financial needs. As a result, he's now talking about how focusing on relationships saved both his life and his businesses all over the world, which is something you can learn from. Here are three lessons about the benefits of focusing on people over profits. 1. Let your employees experience the beauty of your products firsthand. 2. Try to be your customer's best friend, even if it's not part of what you're selling. 3. Stay on the same page with your investors so you can still laugh when profits are low. Want to make Mr. Maslow proud? Here we go. Peak. How great companies get their mojo from Maslow. Lesson 1. Give your employees a chance to experience your products firsthand. This answers the question, as a boss or business owner, how can you make sure you have great relationships with your employees? I don't want to tell you again that you should help your employees connect to your end customers so they can see what impact they're making, because I've made this point a couple of times. Instead, I want to tell you about a specific way to achieve that while simultaneously making your employees happier. And since happier employees are better employees, that should work out well. Let your employees use your own products and services free of charge so they can experience the value you create firsthand. For example, Chip lets all of his employees stay at one of Joie de Vivre's locations for free, up to four times a year. This is more than just a vacation perk. It gives every employee a chance to live the experience they are usually creating for the hotel chain's guests. This convinces employees to do their best because they see the, mission, the company's mission a lot clearer, including what's already working well and what needs improvement. Peak how great companies get their mojo from Maslow. Lesson 2. Be a customer's best friend even if you don't have to. This answers the question, how can you build relationships with your customers that go beyond mere business transactions? The second party that will benefit from your attention is your customers. 
Great customer service has long passed the status of being optional and is a necessity to make you stand out. But there's always a way to go the extra mile, one of which is this. Speak to your customers' deepest desires and try to be their best friend, even if it's way beyond your duties. For example, at Cafe Gratitude in San Francisco, the waiter asks guests thought-provoking questions like, which important person in your life would you like to acknowledge today? Or, what are you grateful for today? If you're willing to go deeper, have more profound conversations, and share personal stories instead of just saying hi, thank you, goodbye, you'll acknowledge that every single customer is a unique human being with his or her very own wants and needs. We all remember this kind of attention from someone who really cares, really listens, and it's exactly that what makes us go back over and over again. Peak, how great companies get their mojo from Maslow, lesson three. Stay on the same page with your investors so you can still laugh when profits are low. This answers the question, if you have investors in your business, how can you cultivate a good relationship with them that's not strained by your financial uh, connection? Getting investors is like dating. You can march through a parade of one-night stands or decide to marry just one, or maybe a few in this case. Sure, every investor wants to make a profit, but for most, their dedication to you and your business won't end there. Many of them invest in you because they believe in you, your ideas, your business, and the good cause all of these stand for. The only way to know who wants what is to ask them. For example, Chip sends out an annual survey to his investors to figure out their intentions and priorities and learn what they think. Being on good terms with all of them was the only reason he was able to do this in 2001 when reports looked bleak. Along with the annual financial report, he sent each investor a t-shirt which read, I bought a hotel in San Francisco and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. A fun twist to let them know he hadn't lost his sense of humor and that things would turn around. Here's what I learned from Peak, how great companies get their mojo from Maslow by Chip Conley. Okay, so I'm not sure if you've noticed, but we talked about employees, we talked about customers, and we talked about investors, right? <clears throat> so the whole point was to show you how Chip Conley drags this philosophy of um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs through all his relationships uh, when it comes to business, right? And those are the three parties he interacts with, employees, customers, and investors. So you can use that everywhere. Um a few notes, and then I want to talk a little bit more about, to give some context on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think that's important. You you might not know it, or if you you probably have heard of it, but having the pyramid ready at hand, even I don't have that, so I'm going to show you what it actually is. Um, letting employees use your own products and services, this is just a no-brainer. I think it's a win all around. I mean, first of all, your employees will find flaws in the product. Your employees will find what's good about the product. Your employees will help you market your product because if they like it, they're going to show it to their friends because that's what they do for work and that's what they talk about anyway. So they'll say, yeah, actually, I'm using this myself and it's really, really great. Um, so like there's nothing to, I mean, you can't lose there. I mean, to think that whatever it is, $20 a month or 50 bucks a night for a stay in a hotel, to think that that money would sort of matter more than all of this you can get from your employees using your stuff. That's ridiculous. Like the finance, even the financials, like it's a no brainer to, on, on that end. So 
I'm, I don't have employees, right? So I don't have products to give them to. But this is definitely something I would implement. This is one of the first things I would implement if I were to start a business. Um, being your customer's best friend. I mean, best friend is, of course, a little over the top, right? The whole point is to st not stop being yourself and put on some weird business hat or robot outfit when you do business. So... I mean, for example, if you're the waiter in a cafe, right, from let's take Cafe Gratitude as an example. Um, if you're the waiter and you see someone sitting there and they look miserable, then you can just walk over and say, yeah, may I take your order? Okay, thank you. By the way, you look you look sad. Like, is anything up? Would you want to share? Right? That's that's just human humanism, like being human 101, right? You don't have to, you don't need a degree in business to do that, right? So just, and for example, let's imagine like you walk into a hotel, you're a guest there and you see the owner standing at the, uh, at the front desk and then you, you chat with him and you say hi and you say, Hey, what's up? And then the owner would suddenly say, yeah, you know what? Actually, like I'm having a bad day today. And you're like, Oh, why? And it's like this and this happened. And we had a mix up with a bunch of guests and you're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And now imagine if, if your room wasn't ready, for example, because of all the stuff that's been going on, like you wouldn't be mad at the person, right? Because if the hotel owner tells you, yeah, like we screwed up a bunch and it makes me feel bad and so on and so on, it would be like, ah, you know what? It's it's okay. Like we'll wait for our room. See how much of a difference that makes like for both the customer and the, and the owner if it's just, if they're just being who they are and not trying to, you know, like fake and, and, and keep smiling and so on. So obviously there's some level of professionalism you want to bring to your work, but at the same time, it, you don't have to stop being you. So don't have like a mental breakdown in front of every customer, but at the same time, don't over sugarcoat stuff when, um, when, you, when things go wrong. And lastly, the investor relationship. Uh, I... I haven't had an investor in anything I've done and I imagine I can I always imagine it as sort of a weird relationship because the person expects their return and most investors can get very tough um, but to have like good relationships with people where money is exchanged especially lots of money I mean that's really an art I think that's really powerful and I can only see from the story here that humor is probably a big part of it. Um, humor is a big part of any good relationship, really. But I think it's especially true here. Because if you can't laugh with your investors, and if they can't laugh even about the, like, the prospect of losing money, then they're probably not good investors either, right? Let alone people you would want to hang out with. Okay, let's talk a little about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So um, it's a pyramid of five levels of needs that humans have and Abraham Maslow came up with this and he said the first uh, the basic needs we need to cover are our physiological needs and our safety needs so physiological means food water a warmth a roof to to a roof over your head some place to rest and sleep right basically what you need to survive the second one is safety needs is security and safety so this is the level where you have your physio physiological needs covered and you don't need to worry about them all the time, right? You don't need to be afraid of someone taking them away from you. So you're not being hunted or chased down or... So it's basically a sense of, okay, my survival is ensured for the next, say, six months, a year, ten years, and so on. These are a given for most of us at this point, right? 
Then we step into the third level, which is your psychological needs, which consists of two belongingness and love needs and esteem needs. So belongingness and love needs are intimate relationships and friends. So if you if you knew nobody, if you had zero people to interact with, that would probably drive you insane. Um, even the loner, even the biggest loners of us, and people who are okay with being alone and and introverted and like me, but even I need like a bunch of people I can talk to and uh, and engage with. The next is esteem needs, prestige and feeling of accomplishment. So that's about work, right? That's about having status, doing something where you get a sense that you're moving forward, that you that you have some achievement, and um, finding meaning in what you do every single day. And then lastly, that's the biggest one, uh, and that's the highest level, and if you're in that, you're already pretty lucky, self-fulfillment needs. So this one is called self-actualization. It's about achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. This will basically be not only having a job where you get rewarded and where you are treated in a prestigious way and where you are respected, but having a job that's the right one for you. That's You choose it. You build your career. You do what you want to do. You do what you think you were meant to do. And you get the same kind of prestige and feeling of accomplishment from that. So that will be... I don't know, let's say the accountant becoming a successful book author, right? Because that's what he or she always dreamed about. So that would be self-actualization. Now, the funny part is I think today most of us are already chasing self-actualization. Like We're incredibly lucky in the terms of what times we live in because we have all the other four covered already. Um, some of us have shitty jobs, yeah, Some of, but most of us have decent jobs um, at at least in the Western world. Uh, I know it very much depends on where you go in the world, but I'm talking about, let's say, US, Europe, most European countries. Um, we're constantly chasing self-actualization. Most of us, uh, people online, they want to know how to start a business. They want to know how to become a writer. They want to know how to um, get their DJing career off the ground. They want to know all that kind of stuff. And that's all self-fulfillment, right? I think one of the problems is, I mean, that's one of the tricks and one of the problems at the same time with the internet you can suddenly skip steps here, right? Because you could technically have only your physiological and safety needs covered and then you forget about relationships and, and the proper job and you try to skip straight to self-actualization. Now, I think that can work in some rare cases, but most of the time uh, it's like we forget steps along the way and we're rushing it when we're trying to move from one to the other a little too fast. Uh, Chip Conley did something to that pyramid, if I'm not mistaken. He has his TED Talk, it's from 2010, uh, Measuring What Makes Life Worthwhile. Uh, look that up on TED. He has his own version of the pyramid, I think, which is about work. He has a whole bunch of other good insights about happiness um, and the kingdom of Bhutan, who measures happiness, and so on. There's tons of great stuff in there. Watch it. Chip Conley's TED Talk. Um, I hope you learned something uh, from this book. It's a great book. It's fairly old, I think. Peak, how great companies get their mojo from Maslow. Lots and, stu lots, and lots to learn, not just about business, but about life too. And I will see you on one of the next summaries.